friends. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And we are Podcast by Proxy, Canadian True Crime. Welcome. We're live. On a Monday? On a Monday. <laughs> it's a Monday today. And it's already a February. Isn't that crazy? Jeez Louise. Although it's funny I... because I sent something to my friend the other day and it was like one thing about January is she's going to make you feel all 31 days of her because January to me feels like it drags. I feel like usually it does. But again, my birthday's in January and it's near the end. So I think I always have something kind of to look forward to that I'm counting down. So yeah. to me, January maybe flows a bit different than the average non-birthdayer. I was going to say, your birthday's at the end of January, so that so, makes sense. But for me, it just feels like a whole though, year yeah. in itself. <laughs> so there's like 2024 is January and then the rest of the year is like 2024 2.0. Kind of. I was just going to say okay. that February to me feels also different because January is like start of the new year, blah, blah, blah. And then February is kind of like, okay, we're in it now. You know what I think is a good way to, well, to me, it feels like from like the ages of like zero to 30, I was like just finding myself and getting my footing and that's January. And then February was like when I turned 30 and I was like, fuck, I don't even care. Yeah, there we go. It's and the now rest I'm just like, year. I've kind of coast, I've kind of found my rhythm. Yeah. I wouldn't say I, I'm coasting. I feel that. we're probably still on the struggle bus. But I found some footing. We are permanent members of the struggle bus. We have a lifetime pass. Oh, we own it. We drive it. We take <laughs> shifts on it. We are the... I was going to say conductors, but those aren't what drive buses. We're just the drivers. Yeah, we really are. Mm-hmm. Conductors. Well, this case this week, I have wanted to cover for a while on the show. And I'm actually, yet you told me it really sucks. Yeah, I've posted about it a few times, but it's very local. Yeah. And so that made me nervous, I think. Always. If I'm being completely honest, it's always harder to cover a case that's, like, that much closer to home. Um, I also don't know if everybody realizes, and every, only people from small towns will, that when we talk about someone and say, like, we talk about, like, someone's mother in the community, we could run into their mother. Like, we do see these people out and about if it's close enough to home, so... Yeah. It's a different level of concern or, I think, self-consciousness when we tell local cases. 100%. Yeah, Yeah, it just, it feels different. But I do know somebody who is connected to this case, so I was able to get a little bit of, like, fact-checking and information from a family member, um, which made me feel a lot better (laughs) about covering it. Definitely. Because we rely pretty heavily on news articles and court records. There isn't as many court records for this case, and you'll find out why. So relying a lot more heavily on, like, news articles and stuff. And even when you use, like, 20 sources and try to fact check throughout them all, like, I just feel like still the media can get things wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. So anyways. Well... Do you remember, like, when we sat down in, like, our, what, second season with two victims' family members at different times? And it was, 
so interesting and such different aspects of the stories we got and the yeah. way the cases were told and just, yeah, there was just a lot of corrections made or mm -hmm. just, yeah, a lot more of the inner workings of how the family felt and what was really going on. So, yeah, yeah, it's Agreed. interesting. But before we start, if you're not already, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcast by Proxy and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening. Um, I don't really have anything else to talk about this week. There have been some case updates recently. I think we talked about that there's last been week, a though. a lot, I feel like. We're working on a case updates episode, but there's actually been quite a bit. Um the Byron Carr case, which we covered yes. like in 2021 from PEI, was recently solved, um, and some other case updates. So we are working on an update episode because we will definitely have enough to put a full episode together with uh, case updates from like cases we've previously covered. We also do have a collaboration going out soon, so I did want to shout that out. Um, it should be coming next week on Valentine's Day. We're going to be collaborating yes. with six other shows, um, so you will see a bonus episode go up on our feed where we will be featured for about 15 to 20 minutes, and then these six other shows are also going to be featured in their own little segment for 15 to 20 minutes, so make sure you check that out and check out any of those podcasts that you're interested in. Yeah, they're like part of our pod family. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, yeah, that's it for me. Do you have anything to share before we get into today? Other than your animals um, running around. I know. Wednesday is just... I don't I don't know. She's just a, in a mood today where she's just like, I'm here. I'm there. I'm alive. I'm dead. She literally is that real on Instagram or TikTok, wherever you watch it. So, she's just a lot right now. And as mentioned, my dog is having a severe allergic reaction to, I think, something environmental. So it's just a, it's, just, it's you know, it's life. It's it is bit, what it is. It's a bit of a circus over there. It always is. Okay. Well, we will start off then. Um, so today we're talking about Michaela Chang. Uh, and this is a case out of Nanaimo, BC, which I mentioned is very local to us. Yes. Michaela Ann Chang was born on March 1st, 2001, and was just 16 years old when she went missing in March of 2017, a few weeks after her birthday. At the time of her disappearance, Michaela was living with her grandmother, Dolly, who was her legal guardian, um, but she had started spending more time with a man named Stephen Bacon, who was more than three times her age. This is not one of... This is not one of the Bacon brothers, by the way. I just want to get that out of there. Yeah. <laughs> not one of the Bacon brothers. Good point. But yes, Dolly is the cutest name I've ever heard in my life. I know someone who just named their baby that, and I just think it's adorable. Oh, Dolly Mae. So cute. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, Michaela is spending more time with Stephen Bacon. He's... Three times her age. Three times her age. I was going to say quite a bit older than her, but that's the understatement of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Granted her age. Yeah. The yeah. property manager at Bacon's home told news outlets that at the time Michaela was seen on and off at his home in 2017, uh, Bacon was passing her off as his daughter. Another big red flag. Okay. 
Before she was reported missing on the 22nd of March, Michaela was last seen by her new boyfriend on March 17th of the same year after being dropped off at a home in Nanaimo, BC, which was the home of Stephen Bacon. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about Michaela, what she liked to do, her friends, where they hung out, but she did have a new boyfriend at the time. So she was seeing this older man potentially... And it was fading out and she had new boyfriends? So, no. The relationship we'll between Michaela and Steven in the news is described as more of a father-daughter relationship. But I just see him as, like, super creepy. Okay, yeah. I see it as predator and young girl. 100%. But we'll get to it, I guess. Because, again, I know this case. I don't know the inner workings and I'm very intrigued by... The details you're going to give me. Yeah, so she she had a boyfriend. She was dating. I don't think she saw Stephen okay. as a romantic interest of hers whatsoever. He was just a predator. Yeah, it sounds like he was grooming her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Michaela was described in her missing persons report by the RCMP as part Asian, part Caucasian, five foot one inches tall and 110 pounds. She had dyed red hair, hazel eyes, and lip piercings, and the RCMP statement of her disappearance said she also wore glasses, she wore wigs sometimes, and she also sometimes dressed in male clothing. She was said to have last been seen wearing a gray hoodie and multicolored leggings. Um, she sounds like exactly like what you and I would have potentially wanted to look like. 100%. She sounds cool. She was adorable. <laughs> Also, she is pretty much the same frame as my niece, and that is a very petite person, Mm -hmm. Um, just in perspective of, as we're getting into people's statures, that is a very petite person. Yes. Yeah. As a child growing up, Michaela was described by her grandma's sister, Kelly, as cute and funny. She said she was spoiled by her grandma. Um, So Michaela was raised by her grandma, Dolly, and it was her grandma's sister, Kelly, that I was able to speak to about some of the information in this case. So essentially like her aunt, in theory, because of her grandma was like her mother. Yeah, I guess so. Michaela's mom and dad were also alive and in the picture, though, like they are still alive and they were very much a part of her life as well. So just a big family. That's fair. Yeah, my brother saw my grandpa as a father figure. I don't think there's a discredits anyone else no like all of us teenage girls Michaela did go through uh what was described as a bratty stage uh but (laughs) one thing Kelly says she loved is music Uh, Michaela loved to record herself singing she loved to sing for people Uh, music was just her favorite thing and Kelly also said in her early years that Michaela loved family gatherings Um, so Christmas Eve every year Kelly hosted and she said Michaela would come in bouncing in with something new in life. Uh, one year she thought maybe she wanted to be a boy. The next year it was all about mermaid wigs. Like, again, I think a lot of us as teenagers were really just discovering who we were and our identity and Uh I can relate to a lot of that. Every three days I changed who and what I wanted to be at that age. A hundred percent. Yeah, I feel this. But Kelly said ultimately she was just a fun little kid. Uh, Like, you know, any other kid, she got excited at gift openings. And uh, it sounds like she was just a really, really nice young girl. Yeah, she sounds super sweet. 
So, on the other hand, born in 1964, according to court records, Stephen Michael Bacon had a criminal record dating back to 1981 in Ontario, including a 1992 conviction for sexual assault in Thunder Bay, as well as charges for fraud, violence, and firearms. Oh, so he's like all around bad news bears. Yep, from what I can gather. Uh, He sometimes used alternate names like... Michael Dufour, Michael Vincent Dufour, Stephen Michael, Mike Vincent, Mike Janice, we know. So at bare minimum, not somebody you want around your teenage daughter. Yep, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah. Yeah. Michaela was a student at John Barsby Secondary School in Nanaimo, and she and her friends spent a lot of time together at the Wallace Street Tim Hortons. That's the Tim Hortons in downtown Nanaimo. Um, she... so like the one kitty corner to like the Newcastle Ferry. Yes. Okay, I know exactly where you mean. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um. So, like all teenagers, she spent a lot of time on Snapchat and Facebook and social media, and they just kind of like hung and out. I think we can all picture that one place we all hung out, whether it was a gas station, a playground, a school, a coffee shop. There, every teenager had a place. Yeah. So it was their typical like meetup hangout yeah it was there that she met Stephen bacon in the summer of 2016 when she was only 15 um bacon would have been in his early 50s at the time he told michaela and others that his own daughter had committed suicide and that a relationship with her would be like a second chance for him Hmm. however his own daughter was very much still alive Okay. So. And also pulling at these kids' heartstrings. Like, people should not be having these type of conversations with young people. Yeah. he is And that's a- important to remind your kids, like, what adults should and shouldn't ask at certain ages. And it's a constant conversation, I think. Yeah. He is a predator through and through. Yes. Yeah. Like, 100% predator. The two developed a relationship described in news outlets as, like, similar to that of a father and daughter. I have a hard time even saying that out loud, but that's just how it's described in the media. Um, He would buy her, like, shoes and dresses and alcohol, and I think... Don't get me wrong. I think there's families out there that say... Like, maybe a parent, a single parent has, like, a son and they have another, their son's friend is really struggling or they know they come from a home with not much money so they maybe help out a bit. But for someone to go out and, like, seek out a young Mm -hmm. adult or young teenager who's at a vulnerable position and kind of just dangle a carrot and see who takes the bait is just disgusting. Well, and remember being 16 and, like, I'm sure some of us thought it would be, like, so cool to have our own place or, like... And someone older showing us attention and... Yeah, so, anyways, I have a hard time describing it like that, but, yeah, he's, like, buying her shoes and a dress and alcohol and... Yeah. Very weird. By the spring of 2017, Michaela began spending less time at school and more time with Stephen Bacon. Um, When she turned 16 on March 1st, she basically told her grandma that she couldn't tell her what to do anymore. 
She hmm. quit school and began lying to her grandma about her whereabouts. Um, again, not unlike a lot of teenagers. However, Michaela at this time was couch surfing at Bacon's home and hanging out there along with her friends from the Wall Street, Tim Hortons. Um, well, yeah, now he has her staying there. So, oh, have your friends over. It's fine. They can hang out here. Mm -hmm. There's probably underage drinking. There's just no rules there. So it's the cool place to hang out probably too. Yeah. And I say this as being someone who, when I was a teenager, I dated someone older than myself. And not that much older, not an inappropriate length, but of course I would invite my friends over there to hang out. There was no rules. There was no quote unquote grown ups. Well, and I think that's like the quote cool part of it is when there's no rules and. Yeah. yeah. You, that's where in her mind, this is a cool situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I totally get that. At the beginning of March 2017, it sounds like Michaela and Bacon started fighting. Um, Bacon was upset at how late she was staying out with her friends. And also he had spoken about adopting her and had like contacted the Ministry of Children and Family Development about it, sent her grandma a letter about it. However, it's very important to note her family did absolutely not support Bacon adopting Michaela. It wasn't a serious conversation at any point. Um, yeah. Also, could you just imagine a, like, 50-year-old man reaching out to you and saying, I'd like to adopt your granddaughter? Like, absolutely not, sir. Come again? And, like, at this point, too, from the information that I gathered, he's, like, living on welfare downtown Nanaimo. Like peanuts, like nothing, I don't yeah. think he has a job. Like, he's not somebody who's in any position to adopt a 16-year-old. Like, the courts probably would have laughed at him, even if it did get that far. But the important part to note is that, like, it was not a serious conversation. Her family did not even support her talking about this. And at the beginning of March 2017, she ended up telling him that she did not want to be adopted. Good for her. Yeah. That's so, fucked up. Yeah. Super fucked. He also, like I said, was getting mad at Michaela for being out too late with her friends. So like I said, she had started dating a guy that was close in her own age she had her friends at the Wallace Street Tim Hortons and he started getting quite angry at her for staying out late, like would call her and start fights with her while she was at the Tim Hortons with her friends, text her friends to see if she was there and things like that. It is almost though like he wants her to be a surrogate for his daughter that he lost. Like, But he didn't lose her. She was still alive. Well, I know, but that's like, I know quote unquote, saying, right? Like he immediately is like, yeah. I'm going to parent you. And that's weird. It's just really, really weird and creepy. Yeah. The day after uh, Michaela was last seen, she was actually supposed to be going to Vancouver with Bacon, where he was going to get her a puppy. Oh. Yeah. Promising a young girl a puppy. Is... If you can't love bomb someone, buy them gifts is what they Eek. do, I see. Yeah. So... Michaela was ultimately reported missing to the RCMP by Bacon on March 22nd, 2017, before he left Nanaimo by ferry, took a bus, and hitchhiked across Canada. Wow. Yeah. So she was last seen on March 17th, 
um, and we'll talk a little bit about what happens between the 17th and the 22nd and then he reports her missing on the 22nd on so March weird to find that he's going to report her missing too yeah, and from what I gathered, he reported her missing to the Nanaimo RCMP and her grandma was there as well. Okay. Yeah. On March 25th, 2017, the RCMP said they had received information information suggesting Michaela may have traveled to the Lower Mainland with Bacon and that they wanted to speak to him. Now, remember, she was supposed to be going to Vancouver with him to get a puppy. So I think mm-hmm. the thought at this point is that they went to Vancouver and just, like, hadn't come back. So everyone's thinking that Michaela's in Vancouver with Bacon. Fair. Okay. Which yeah. I guess, like, as someone who lives here, we've all gone to Vancouver and extended our stay because we've paid to get over there and stuff. But there's still an element of too weird on this. 100%. Okay, Uh, yeah, so March 25th, the RCMP say they've received information suggesting Michaela might have been traveling to the Lower Mainland with Bacon. They want to speak with him. Uh, He's described as 5'10", 210 pounds, with white hair and a beard. Uh, Michaela's friends and family were hopeful that she would be found safe and brought home. Um, And like I said, I think... At this point, everyone's hopeful that he had, like, taken her to Vancouver to get her puppy and that she was there with him. Yeah, they just stayed there longer. Yeah. Also, the idea of just, like, him having white hair just goes to show how old he is. Like, Well, in most pictures I can find of him, he's bald as well. So I think he changes his appearance quite often, um, which is another thing that we'll get into. The investigation into Michaela's disappearance was led by the Nanaimo RCMP Serious Crimes Unit. Two weeks after she went missing, RCMP were seen searching Colliery Dam Park as part of their investigation. They would not confirm exactly what they were looking for, but did confirm for CBC News that the search was linked to Michaela's disappearance. An extensive search of the park was done. However, there was no trace of her. Police. I'm sorry, where, why did they search the park? Was it like a tip or they had just found their own reasonings for? They never really said this investigation up until the point where it ends was super tight-lipped. Okay. Yeah. I always just wonder why they go places, but if we don't know, we don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Police spoke to Bacon in April of 2017 after they thought she might have left for Vancouver with him, but after speaking with him, they announced publicly that she was not found and that they were still looking for her. At the time, RCMP Constable Gary O'Brien did not say if Bacon gave investigators information regarding Michaela's whereabouts, but did say he was not considered a suspect at the time. He said Bacon was a person they thought would be able to assist in the investigation and on providing information on where Michaela was. I see your face and I know. I know. I just don't know how some middle-aged man that has a weird interest in this young woman is not just generally a person of interest. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel you, girl. I feel you. It was also reported in April of 2017 that RCMP and a tactical team searched two Nanaimo properties, including a home on Bruce Avenue where Bacon was thought to have lived. So this is the home that he lived at that Michaela was frequently staying at. Um, The home he wanted to adopt her into? Yep. 
Okay. Police okay. stated at the time that they were not ruling out foul play and officers were spotted at that Bruce Avenue home searching along with the yard of a neighboring property. Six weeks after her disappearance, so Michaela is still missing, friends and family of Michaela organized a rally to raise awareness and renew support for her safe return. The rally was set for May 2nd, 2017, in the hopes that it would generate new leads to solve her disappearance. A family friend, Brandy McKee, was quoted saying, Hopefully we can gather some information and spread the word, then everyone at the rally will leave with more information. Her friends and family knew it was important to keep her case in the spotlight and not let people forget that she was still very much missing. At the time, uh, Brandy McKee described Michaela as a very upbeat, positive young lady with the biggest heart. She told Global News that the family was thankful to anyone who had shown concern for Michaela while she was missing. um, And also added that other teens in the community were very affected by Michaela's disappearance and that they were scared and dealing with a lot of unanswered questions. I think it's understandable to be scared. I would be. Mm -hmm. But also, like, having any type of, like, vigil, memorial, something to renew information also might draw the person who was originally responsible out, too. So it might, like, renew some guilt in them, seeing that this is just, like, causing a big stir of some kind in the community yeah you would think let's try and scare someone out of hiding yeah i think the main um the main goal with the rally was to continue to get her name out in the media that she was still missing um because as we've talked about many 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 times often family and friends are tasked with making sure that those cases stay in the spotlight. Um, Yep. Unfortunately. Uh, The same month in May, two months after Michaela's disappearance, on May 18th, 2017, it was reported that Michaela's body had been found by the RCMP. Michaela's friends and family had been hopeful for months that she would be found safely, and this news was devastating, to say the least. At the time, the RCMP was incredibly tight-lipped on the whereabouts of her remains, but did state officially that they were treating the case as a homicide. Okay. It was later... foul play. Yeah, 100%. They... Okay immediately called it foul play and treated it as a homicide as soon as her body was discovered um it was later revealed in court so this information was not made available to the like the family or the public for years but Michaela's remains were found in a shallow grave off Nanaimo Lakes Road She had been placed in the grave surrounded by and underneath several rocks and tree branches in the fetal position. A cigarette and its package were found inside the grave, which matched the brand of cigarettes that Stephen Bacon frequently smoked. Also found nearby was a black flashlight and a black cotton t-shirt, which both had DNA matches to Bacon. An autopsy was conducted, which discovered uh, small amounts of methamphetamine and fentanyl in Michaela's blood, as well as cannabis. Um, It also found evidence that Bacon and Michaela had sexual intercourse. 
And we don't know if that was based on the evidence, consensual or forced. We'll talk about it in a bit. He says it was consensual and the family says absolutely not. There's no way. So I have a really, really, really difficult time thinking that it was consensual just based on everything I know about this guy. Um, And I'll share a little bit more about that as well as we go through the episode. But I just can't, I can't wrap my head around that at all. No, me neither. Okay. All of this information. That one wouldn't make sense to me. No. All of this information was kept tight-lipped by the RCMP at the time while they built their case against Bacon, and for years, Michaela's friends and family had to wonder what happened to her with little to no information. In June of 2017, a funeral was held for Michaela. Um, Dozens of people came out in Nanaimo to say goodbye to her, and uh, that family friend, Brandy McKee, told Global News at the time that there was no doubt in the heart of Michaela's friends and family that she was going to be brought home safely and that the outcome was devastating and had caused uh, a lot of disbelief and shock. I think anyone's shocked when you finally get the news that someone isn't coming home when you're so optimistic. Yeah. That can't be easy. Though the police had spoken to Bacon in May of 2017 in Sudbury, Ontario. However, he was not arrested at the time and was free to go. In August of 2019, so more than two years later, police issued a Canada-wide warrant for Bacon, who they now called a person of interest in Michaela's death. I see your face. Now they do? Well, and like, why aren't we just calling him the suspect? Like, let's call it what it is. Like, everybody else is calling him a suspect. Can you guys? Yeah, I just, I can't wrap my head around that one either. There's too much evidence against him right now that, like, why are we not? Mm-hmm. I, okay. Yeah. I'm listening. I'm, I'm, yeah. So they issue this Canada-wide warrant. He's described at the time, again, as Caucasian, five foot ten, with gray hair, possibly facial hair, a teardrop tattoo under his left eye, a Bugs Bunny tattoo on his upper right arm, and an unidentified tattoo on the back of his right hand. So that's in August. In September of 2019, Bacon is arrested in Fredericton, New Brunswick on unrelated charges. What? Yeah, he's made it all the way across the country. Uh, He, like, took a bus and hitchhiked, and he got the hell out of Dodge, basically. He's arrested on unrelated charges in New Brunswick. Um, According to the Thunder Bay Courthouse, those unrelated charges were for sexual assault, sexual interference, sexual exploitation, and incest. The four charges were alleged to have happened in Ontario between 1996 and 2004. These charges were first sworn against Bacon on September 11, 2017, at which point an arrest warrant was issued. And it wasn't until two years later, on September 26, 2019, that he is arrested um, and, yeah, then starts a number of court appearances. You know why that through took the... two years? I don't know. They just couldn't find him, I guess. Maybe. This guy's all over the place. He just changed... seemed like they had, like, kind of tabs on him all along, and then when they finally went to arrest him, they were like, oops. <laughs> like, kind of. He changes his name a lot. He changes his appearance oh, yeah. a lot. He's kind of a drifter, so he just... It's a rubber face. Like, he just changes his look all the time. 
from what I gather, like when he left the island, as I understand it, um, he like shaved off his beard so that he could go undetected. Hmm. Yeah. So he is arrested, goes through a number of court appearances throughout the fall of 2019 in Ontario. And on October 1st, 2019, the Ontario court is informed that there were additional charges pending from BC and that he was a person of interest in the murder of 16-year-old Michaela Chang. When he is arrested and speaks to the RCMP, um, again, none of this information comes out until court, but it's at that point that he reveals to the RCMP that he had pushed Michaela and she fell and struck her head. He then reveals that he had put her on a couch and strangled her for 10 minutes. This, 10 minutes at least for once someone is being honest about how long they're strangling someone. Right. There's no two minutes here. That is legitimately long enough to end someone's life. Mm-hmm. And he's giving an honest answer there. Yeah. Uh, he also admits to having sexual intercourse with Michaela on the day of her death. Again, he claims it was consensual. The family of Michaela does not believe any sexual encounter between Michaela and Bacon was ever consensual. They're just, like, outraged by this claim. Um, And I have to side with the family. So I have to... I wanted to make that very clear that... The fact that there's also drugs present in her system. He may have given her illicit drugs or forced her to take drugs, Mm -hmm. potentially. Or maybe she did them at her free will. But either way, he took advantage when she was under the influence of something. Yeah. And I don't disagree with the family. Yeah. So we're going to fast forward to July of 2020. The RCMP states that the extensive investigation into Michaela's murder is complete and that the files were with Crown Counsel to make a decision on charges. By September of 2020, the RCMP had charged Stephen Michael Bacon with first-degree murder in the death of Michaela Chang. Bacon was held in Thunder Bay, Ontario, and Michaela's father, Carrie Chang, said of the charges being laid, quote, it's a big weight off the shoulders for sure, and I think I speak for my whole family when I say that. Just knowing that there's some forward motion here is really important to us. Um, He also said that while he does believe Michaela stayed at Bacon's house on occasion, at no point did she ever actually live with him. Um, and this is something that the fa- is really important to the family that people know because there is some articles or inference that she was like living with Bacon. Um, mm. And so her father, Carrie, said like, yes, she was having issues at home with his mom, her grandmother, like any 16 year old would. But at no point was she actually living at his home. Sorry, do we know if his mom what? What ethnicity was the dad, do we know, out of the equation? I believe. So I'm wondering if he was the Asian portion of her ethnicity and potentially had a very culturally traditional grandma. And that's why they were butting heads, because that could also be really difficult. That point, I don't know. Um, I do know that that's the Asian side of her family heritage, but I don't know about that part. Um But when I spoke to Michaela's grandmother's sister, Kelly, she also echoed the same sentiment. Like, Mm -hmm. while she may have been couch surfing at Bacon's, at no point was she actually living with him. 
Um, so she would say she was staying at friends or she was out, but in no way was that her permanent residence. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, look, I I was butting heads with my mom at 16 because I wanted Ooh, to do wasn't. things that she didn't want me doing because she wanted to keep me safe. So I think it's just a very, very normal thing that you go through at this age, no matter what. I think any of us looking back now at the stuff that our parents really, really objected to when we look at it now, we're like, yeah, we shouldn't have been doing that at that age. Yeah. It makes 100%. sense when we really reflect on it. Whether we thought it was right or not at the time, of course not. But yeah, our parents really did have our best interest at heart. Yeah, yeah. There were certainly things that I uh, that I wanted to do at that age that, that now, looking back, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get why. That was a no. Thanks, um, Mom. You know, I may have been pissed about it at the time, but now I'm... <laughs> Now I get it. So you're alive because of it now. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just very normal. She totally. she wanted to be rebellious, and her grandma wanted to keep her safe. A hundred percent. That's life. Sure is. RCMP Constable Gary O'Brien said the investigation was a lengthy one, saying, quote, it's a testament to the work that the police officers did to have a first-degree murder charge laid three years, thousands of hours put in through the operation from so many people. Bacon was transferred back to BC from Ontario in October of 2021, and the preliminary inquiry began in November 2021. Sadly, on June of 2021, Michaela's grandmother, Dolly, actually passed away from cancer. Um, and so Dolly's sister, Kelly, attended the preliminary hearing for her sister. She said that Dolly Hi. raised Michaela and fought fiercely to protect her and said Dolly and the entire family wanted closure. It breaks my heart in any case when someone who's been fighting for this person all along passes away or is not able to see justice served in any way or some type of conclusion or it just breaks my heart and i think that a lot of the time like the stress of these situations can ultimately be a trigger for these things oh they're a contributing factor i think to people's overall health and deterioration 100 percent. like i can't imagine how stressful that would have been waiting so long and I think we've all heard of a lot of cases where it's like someone's sibling is killed or something and we hear the sibling interviewed, like the surviving sibling, and they say, like, this definitely killed my mom as well. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the stress, the heartache, the this, the that. Like, I think that's a common feeling. And yeah, I just can't imagine what it's like to be a surviving family member. Yeah. Uh, her grandmother, Dolly, did not like Stephen Bacon and found his interest in Michaela to be super creepy, um, which I think we can all agree with. Bacon had been brought to Nanaimo from the Central North Correctional Center in Penetanguishene, Ontario. I don't know how to pronounce that, so I'm just going to say the Central North Correctional Center in Ontario. <laughs> okay. And on the first day of the hearing, he pleaded not guilty to the crime of first-degree murder. Five of days. Of course, he pled not guilty. Yeah. Five days was set aside for the preliminary inquiry. However, on the first day of the hearing, uh, Bacon consented to having the case stand trial. So I don't know if he just like heard the mountain of evidence and was like, mm, "Never mind, we can just take it right to trial." But so yeah, he so he just like skipped all his preliminary hearings, knowing that. There wasn't an argument to be made in his favor. That's kind of how I felt, yeah. Yeah, that's how it sounds to me. The preliminary hearing would be the first time that Michaela's family uh, 
had to hear the gruesome details of the case and what actually happened. And Michaela's mother left an hour after it began because the details were just too difficult to hear. I think that's common as well that we hear families want to be in the courtroom. And then when it really starts that it's usually victim or family members a little more extended from like the immediate that end up being the ones staying Mm -hmm. and supporting the family, like cousins, aunts, uncles, because I couldn't imagine being that close to someone having to sit and listen to those details. Yeah. So the court heard that Michaela had been with her friends and her new boyfriend hanging out at the Tim Hortons on March 16th, 2017. During the evening and in the early hours of March 17th, 2017, Michaela and Bacon had an argument over the phone about Michaela being out too late. Um, it sounds like Bacon like sent text messages to one of her friends who was with her at the Tim Hortons and found out her new boyfriend was with her and like that might have really set him off as well. So he was mad and they fought about that. Um, Her new boyfriend dropped her off at Bacon's house just after midnight on the 17th. In an agreed statement of facts presented by Crown Prosecutor Nicholas Barber, Michaela and Bacon fought and he pushed her. She fell, struck her head, and was knocked unconscious. Is he, there evidence to support this? Like, is there a hearth with... He admitted it. DNA on it? Oh, okay. No, he told them that he pushed her and she fell. Bacon then moved Michaela to the couch, and after waiting 15 minutes, he strangled her with his bare hands for approximately 10 minutes, causing her death. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, so he then asks his landlord, who is like also a taxi worker, his name is Kenneth Postman, to help him dispose of her body. The two of them transport Michaela's body in the back of the cab to a rural area off Nanaimo Lakes Road where she was buried in the shallow grave. That's crazy. It's just like how relevant that location is. I know. Over the next five days, he then pretends to be Michaela uh, using her phone and like her Facebook account to communicate with her friends and family. Replying to people. He like exchanged text messages with her grandma pretending to be her. Um, So he's trying to throw off the timeline so it doesn't look like he did it the night of the fight. A hundred percent. Okay. On March 20th at 5.30, he posed as Michaela on Facebook chat, um, posting like, is anyone at Tim's question mark? Mm-mm. He then no. visits... weird. I know. He then visits the Tim Hortons on March 22nd and asked if anybody had seen her. Uh, finally, he reported her missing to the police on March 22nd and the next morning left town by ferry. Uh, and then this is when he traveled across the country by bus and hitchhiked and altered his appearance. Yeah. Like, no. Why even report her missing if you're going to flee? I don't know. Yeah. Um, he... So when he was reporting Michaela missing, Bacon actually told police officers that Michaela and her new boyfriend had 
apparently been arguing on March 19th, which was what? two days after he had killed her. What a lie. I mean, we know he's a lying sack of shit, but don't throw the new boyfriend under the bus. He seems like a good guy. Right? He literally told the police that Michaela had a new boyfriend and that they had argued. And in front of a police officer told her grandma that he would get a hold of her instantly if he heard from Michaela. Oh. So, and then, yeah, he withdraws all the money from his bank account, and then the next day, he basically flees. There's just still more reasons to not believe him than believe him right now, so mm-hmm. I'm still hoping authorities are going to keep a clear head about this. Yep. Michaela's cell phone last pinged on the evening of March 22nd from a tower nearby the Nanaimo RCMP detachment at the same approximate time Bacon was filing the missing persons report. Please tell me he wasn't dumb enough to, like, have her phone still out in the car while he was reporting her missing. Oh, he definitely had the phone on him. Or, like, in his pocket. Oh, yeah. He had to have. That's so... Like, brazen and And, bold. Yeah. And remember, he had previous charges for fraud. So we know that it's something So pretending to be someone's no big deal to him. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. As we know, police then found her body two months later in May of 2017. uh, And like I mentioned earlier, family members of Michaela were visibly angry in court when it came out that Bacon had stated him and Michaela had consensual sexual intercourse. Um, Bacon is a sexual predator. He has committed previous sexual crimes and her family just does absolutely not believe this was consensual. Point blank. I don't think there's any reason to believe it is consensual based on exactly everything you've just said. Yeah. He's a monster. Yeah. Barber said, the prosecutor Nicholas Barber said an aggravating factor in considering sentencing was that Michaela was a vulnerable child victim who was incapacitated at the time of her murder. Bacon had an opportunity to reconsider before committing this completely unnecessary murder. Um, Basically, like, if he had called 911 instead of choking her to death, she might be alive today. Oh, I believe she would be because I think that she was just unconscious or something prior to The oxygen deprivation is what killed her. Yeah. So Bacon's trial is set for November 2000. Sorry. (laughs) Bacon's trial was set for November 2022. However, in July of the same year, his lawyer, Gil Labine, told the judge his client intended to change his plea to guilty at his next court appearance on August 15th. On August 15th, 2022, Bacon did in fact change his plea from not guilty to guilty of the lesser charge of secondary murder, meaning Michaela's family would not have to endure a full trial. They would, however, get the opportunity to speak at his sentencing hearing and give victim impact statements. Second degree murder carries an automatic life sentence with no possibility of parole for at least 10 years, so the sentencing hearing would be mainly to determine the parole ineligibility period and to allow Michaela's family to read their victim impact statements. Okay, so as long as it's more for the family than for him, then I'm fine with it. But it sounded at first like it was he wanted to salvage them from going through a trial, but yet they're still going through a trial. So as long as it's not a full-blown trial, fine. Well, they have to have a sentencing hearing no matter what, but it, it won't be 
a full trial, no, because they're not determining okay. his guilt at this point. He's admitted to uh, the lesser charge of second degree murder, but we have to set a sentencing or a like how long until he's able to apply for parole, basically, because he didn't. Plead There's still guilty some to conditions and parameters that need to be set. For if he this. had pled guilty to first degree murder, it would have been 25 years, see you never. But I do think it's important to give the family the opportunity to read their victim impact statements. Um, mm -hmm. So the sentencing hearing occurred on Friday, April 14th, 2023, and both Michaela's parents cried as they read their victim impact statements to the court. Her father, Carrie Chang, said Michaela had an unbelievable spirit and that she was always helping people. He said that in 2020, he attempted suicide and that the only comfort he had was knowing Bacon was in prison. He also called Bacon a cold-hearted bastard and described him as a monster and a pedophile. Yeah. Her mother, Janine Vator, said Michaela's death had taken a huge toll on their entire family. She said she now suffers from short-term memory loss and anxiety. Speaking directly to Bacon, Janine said she argued with him countless times and begged him to stay away from her daughter. Bacon did look up briefly when addressed by Michaela's mother, but otherwise kept his eyes down and his face emotionless. Well, yeah, there's like, I mean, what what are you to do? Yeah. Just uh, Bacon addressed the court for one minute and 40 seconds unscripted during the final minutes of the sentencing hearing. Um, I'm not even going to read his whatever like he, he said. He it unscripted. Yeah, he just kind of like got up and started talking. I'm not going to read it, though, because I truly feel it doesn't matter. Included in this, however, he did state he didn't agree with some of the things said in court, but wanted to take responsibility for his actions. Oh, that's really, really big of you, buddy. I'm rolling my eyes. Aww. Yeah, literally just sit down and shut up. Bacon was sentenced by Justice Robin Baird to life in prison with no possibility of parole for 20 years. Um, this was a recommendation that was put, put forth jointly by the defense and the prosecution, meaning he will likely serve life in prison, but at 20 years, he has the possibility of applying for parole. Yeah, I think based on, as you said, the community impact and overall, like, I want, I don't want to say, like, high profileness, but the awareness that this case brought forward to a lot of people, I don't think that he'll ever see the light of day again. I truly hope not. I don't think so. There's no reason to have this man in the community. He has done zero good. Never again. No. He's done nothing to, like you said, positively impact it, so no. why put him back out? No. In handing down the sentence, the judge told Bacon he had, quote, committed an appalling crime, a cowardly crime, a vicious crime. Uh, in his final remarks, Justice Baird said that given his age, Bacon would likely die in prison. He told Bacon, quote, you have robbed a 16-year-old child of all the remaining years of her life. You have cast a permanent pall of sorrow and grief over her family and friends. You have caused serious and enduring damage to this community's sense of safety, peace, and tranquility. He ended the hearing by saying, quote, In the result, you have taken Michaela Ann Chang's life and you have forfeited your own. Mm -hmm. After adjourning the court, Michaela's family and friends cheered. 
Bacon was led away by sheriffs in handcuffs and ankle restraints after the sentence was handed down, sent to serve his life sentence in federal prison. The house Stephen Bacon lived in where Michaela was last seen was demolished in July of 2017 after RCMP had finished their extensive searches of it. The home was torn down on July 31st, 2017 and a dollarama now stands where the house once was i don't mean to laugh just of all things a dollarama dollarama, yeah michaela's family was happy to see the house go as it was a painful reminder of her but they hoped her story would not be forgotten along with that house her mother janine described her as really smart and funny stating like i mentioned before that she loved to sing Her father, Carrie, said living through the disappearance and murder of Michaela was the worst thing that could happen and an experience he would not wish on anybody. Yeah, I'm not shocked. Yeah. And that... I don't know how you could wish that on anybody, even your worst enemy. Yeah. So... And that is the story of Michaela Chang. Super sad. It was... What a horrific story. This is one of the worst cases I've ever researched, I feel like. Just the level of predator behavior and, yeah. I have no words. Let's put it that way. I've got no words. Well, there's no words because there's no way to explain what happened. And at this point, all people want is a why and there is no why. This person's a monster. Yeah, he's just a monster. That's exactly just it. horrendous. There's no why. Yeah. Nope, not at all. No. He's disgusting. There's no rhyme or reason to what he did. No. It's just to satisfy some thrill of his own. No, the only, I mean, I remember when it was announced that he had pled guilty to second degree murder. And I remember just being like happy that a full trial didn't have to go through because... Like, yeah. What a horrendous thing to put the family through. Yeah. And there's no reason for it. This is so obvious and clear what happened. You skipped your preliminary hearing. You know there's the evidence against you. Just don't put the family through it. Yeah, 100%. But that is my case for the week. That is Michaela's story. And I thank you to you for also reaching out and getting some additional details because... We talked before about it's a delicate balance about asking for that information and what is comfortable and what's not. So Yeah, and thank you so much to Michaela's family for being willing to share that with us. Mm -hmm. Um, There were just a few things in there for sure that I wanted to clarify. And I find a lot of the time, especially with stories like this, the... You don't get a lot of information about who the victim was. We just get, like the what and what happened but I really wanted to be able to provide a little bit more about I mean she was a 16 year old girl I know that you know she was so much more than just the limited amount of time that she interacted with this monster you know so thank you for that and yeah we will talk to everyone next week well thank you for telling it so wonderfully as well so we'll see Uh, you next week Again, As if you usual. don't, yeah, don't follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcast by Proxy, and uh, you can leave a five star rating and review wherever you're listening. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.
How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me.